following podcast contains spoilers and words that my mother would prefer I did not say. We watch it. Hello, beautiful listeners. You are back with us at We Watched a Thing. You're with me, Dave. You're not with him, Billy. Billy's off working super hard creating movie magic on a thing that we're not allowed to talk about yet. Um, but it's very exciting. But, but, I'm not alone. I've got the wonderful Julio from The Contrarians with me. How are you, mate? Hey, here we are. This is for uh, for the rematch on trivia, right? This, this is why you invited me? <laughs> You're, you're welcome to throw questions out if you think you're bad enough. <laughs> uh, listeners may or may not be aware that Julio and I faced off in a trivia movie trivia comp on the countdown uh, for patrons over there, and I spanked him royally. <laughs> I, I served Dave the victory on a platter. I, I bet all my points... On the final question, you went in like a warrior. Yeah, <laughs> you were like Thor. <laughs> it was like Star Lord. Just jumped across. Ah. Just Adam Warlock. The legendary Star Lord. Yeah, and like him, you will return. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that that might be a hint. We are here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. The end of that uh, trilogy, um, which is a 2023 film from writer-director James Gunn. It has stars a cavalcade of, of names. I'll, I'll list off some of them, but I'm not going to do the whole lot. Um, we've got Chris Pratt back, obviously, Karen Gillan, Vin Diesel, Chuck Woody Iwuji, Bradley Cooper, Pom Clementiev, Dave Bautista, uh, Maria Baklova's in there, Sean Gunn, obviously, yes. Will Poulter, um, Elizabeth Debicki, Linda Cardellini pops up, um, and about a thousand cameos. Um, and, you know, what? what is it about, Julio? Uh, the Guardians, they're, they're having a rough time dealing with uh, the absence of Gamora, or at least... Uh, Peter Quill is. Did you watch the the uh, Christmas special? Yeah. Does it, I haven't it was, yet. I mean, I plan to, but it, 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 does it, it have any major mild, relevance? Mildly entertaining. <laughs> Not really. It's basically the the Drax Mantis show with Kevin Bacon. That's that's the main reason why I want to watch it. So Kevin Bacon was in yeah. it. But it's 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 fun, but it's it's not a crucial piece of canon that you need. I don't think from memory um, in order to feed into anything in this. Okay. Well, I'll get back to that because I, I I felt like maybe I was missing like some connective tissue from seeing Star Lord here to where he was at the end of Endgame to where he was in Thor: Love and Thunder, and here he is yep. just like down in the dumps. Um, and and yeah, then yeah. he has to pull himself together so he can save Rocket's life. And we meet the High Evolutionary, and yeah. the Guardians go on that final adventure before they they decide to mostly go their separate ways. A, a good space romp, yeah. as we call it, around here. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll, we'll do sort of initial thoughts um, so that anyone who hasn't seen it can know whether we like it or not and then bugger off, see it, and then come back and listen and we, uh, before we sort of get into more spoilery talk. But, you, I mean, 
with the possible exception of our mate Sam Hurley, you're probably the biggest Marvel shill I know. Um, <laughs> you're a massive MCU fan. Um, guilty as Problematically, you, you, you even like the shitty entries. So um, this is kind of an obvious question, but were, were you a fan of this? Did it do what you wanted it to? It, it did. It did. I, I am a big fan, like five-star letterbox. Uh, I can't wait to watch it again. I... Just to give listeners that are not familiar with my MCU uh, taste, like, I guess, a, a, you know, kind of like a through line, what can you expect? Okay, so I love the first Guardians. I don't really care much for the second Guardians. Uh, and then I really like this one. Uh, and then it's not true that I don't like. I mean, I there's some MCU movies I also don't like, like Black Widow I didn't really care for. You like Black Come Widow. On. <laughs> Black Widow, I mean, not to show my cards too early, but Black Widow was until very recently my favourite of the Phase 4 films by a wow. considerable margin, followed by Eternals. Hey, I, I love Eternals. I, I appreciate oh, everything I was trying to go. do. Yeah. I, I think that I, I grew up reading comics, and I think that yeah, a lot of uh, the complaints you get from it is not to sell pretension for like the mainstream audience that is not uh that they didn't grow up reading comics like when they yep. bring up to me like there's too much going on there's too much to keep track of there's like i'm like that's what reading comics is like you know you have mm. 30 titles going on that it, it, that's the kind of like the yep. joy of having a, a shared universe and these big sagas and then you have the downtime and then you build up the next villain and it's like a lot of people are having trouble wrapping their minds around the fact that phase four is not building up to like Endgame again, you know, like where's yeah. Thanos? What's the what's the big point? I was like, be patient, just let them. Yeah. Where's the big bad? Why don't we have a big bad yet? Right, just just let them build the world again so that they can expand mm. again. So, I think that that's it, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that people have to like them, but I'm just saying that when people wonder why I like them so much, I'm like because it's a lot like reading comics, like reading good comics. Mm. Um, and so that and I, I think, think that more makes it easier. Marv, less, not so much DC. That's still got years to get to this point if it ever does, <laughs> and hopefully under. Gun and Saffron at will. But Marvel, I think, are, are well and truly in a place now where they kind of know how to put out a movie that non-comic fans can enjoy and, that you know, they've kind of built up enough mythology over the MCU films that non-comic fans kind of can have Easter eggs as well. Mm-hmm. But they're still able to keep dropping copious in jokes and Easter eggs and references that comic readers will get and appreciate, but that I don't think the mainstream audience will even notice. Or if they do, they'll just think, "Oh, well, that's a, that's a nerd thing. I'm not supposed to get that. That's for someone else." But they they're managing to hit both audiences quite well in most cases. I think. Yeah, it, I think the problem is that after Endgame. It's it's almost like if you're not a hundred percent into it, then you saw Endgame as a nice endpoint, and yeah, it was it's a just you could bow out. A lot of people just starting from scratch after Endgame, where it's like there are people like me that no, they just you just keep building on Endgame, and that's that's I think mm-hmm. a, a massive difference. And you're right. I mean, I think that they're built to be enjoyed by themselves most for the most part, and then there uh, there are some that of course require you to maybe do a little more homework. Uh, and if that that can just alienate some people, you know, like people that don't want to watch WandaVision to really enjoy, uh, enjoy Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, you know, uh, or 
uh, you know, like what I was asking you, like, do you need to watch the, the Christmas special to understand yeah. exactly what's it going is, on? It, it is getting a little bit of, obviously, with since Disney took over, there is a little bit of that. If you don't watch everything we make, we don't care if you follow it or not. Yeah. It's the same thing, you know. But it's, it's we're going to have 15 TV shows and seven movies this year, and if you've missed one of them, you're not going to be able to understand a goddamn thing, so fuck you, because we're Disney. Um, but really, the problem is it, the internet. It's a little bit, of, it's not quite that, but there's a little bit of that. <laughs> yes, but they the really problem is it. really watching TV. Yeah, but, but see, I don't think there would be a problem if we could just consume it at our own pace. The The main reason why I feel like when I feel the pressure, when I feel the pressure is because uh, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by people online that will just spoil the entire thing for me. And I value the, yeah. that first watch so much that I'm like, no, I need to get it out of the way. But in a perfect world, you'd be like, okay, that's fine that there's like 30 things I need to watch. I'll get around to them. I'll watch them when I want, and then I'll enjoy them when I want. And I think that there is some sort of, you know, the universe balances itself. I think that they put out a lot of stuff, it's, and then they I, announce I think, that they're going to um, pull back on it now. So, Yeah, I, th I think they they do that, and that's, I think, a good thing. Um, where I think it's a problem, it, it can become a, an irritation for people, is with the TV shows. Now, I... Very upfront that I think Phase Four has been a lot stronger on TV than in the theatrical releases. I think the movies, by and large, have been a bit poor. Um, some of them have been downright fucking terrible. But the TV shows, with the exception of probably Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which had all sorts of production issues as well as bad writing, there, there are a number of reasons why that show didn't work very well. But Loki, great. Miss um, Marvel's been great. She-Hulk's great. Um, Hawkeye's fantastic. TV <clears throat> has been really strong, but I get why someone who doesn't subscribe to Disney Plus <laughs> is going to get shitty when they can't follow shit like Doctor Strange. Not, I mean, that movie was a dumpster fire anyway, but um, if you hadn't seen WandaVision, that movie would have been, I, I think, very difficult to get on board with because if the only Wanda you've seen previously is the one that's in the movies... Mm -hmm. That movie, Doctor Strange is going to feel completely out of left field. Um, and that requirement that, you know, you need to subscribe to our streaming service and watch all of our shows. Otherwise, these multi-million dollar movies, you're not going to be able to follow. I mean, I understand but that's, why that's, that's annoying people. But that's the world now. I mean, I'm, I'm... Oh, yeah. You know, it's like the same thing. If, if you're reading comics, like reading back to comics, it was like... Well, the, this Doctor Strange crossover is not going to make sense unless you read the Avengers crossover, the big event in Avengers that happened before, you know. But at, at, at most those things like, um, you know, your, your Crisis on Infinite Earths or your um, Infinity Sagas or, you know, Evolutionary War to sort of be topical to, to this film, at most you may have had to buy one or two titles for a month. So you, you're you're buying, you know, a handful of, what at the time for me was probably a dollar fifty comic book, <laughs> um, in order to sort of get the little strands of the story that, that you know that coming from other titles, which is a, a bit different than subscribe for twenty whatever dollars a month for the next twelve months to this streaming service. Uh, well, no, yeah, I was about to say, oh, you just binge it, but, but what the vision did come out, uh, I think weekly, right? That was. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you were kind of like on the and hook they, for at and least they, eight they, weeks. They timed it so it straddled months as well. So you couldn't <laughs> go in for one month. Yeah, to go an extra one and then you're extra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I don't, like I said, it, I, I understand the backlash. I am, I guess, in a position where it doesn't bother me. Like it's never, I, mm-hmm. I, I have said like, you know, if it's feeling like it's homework, then you definitely shouldn't do it. I, I haven't felt like it was homework so far. And the things that started to feel like they were worth it, I just, I stopped. Like I, I didn't finish Moon Knight because I was like, I was two episodes in, I was not feeling it. And I'm like, time is precious. So I just dropped it. And if that uh, means that I, I'm not going to understand uh, when Moon Knight shows up in Avengers, you know, three movies from now, that's fine. I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, that show got really good. It was not good for two episodes, at least. Uh. <laughs> uh, no, I, re- I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, should, yeah, I forgot to mention that in Amongst the Shows. Yeah, I, I did really enjoy Moon Knight as well. Um, alrighty, so I, mean, I think in terms of Guardians 3, we're both fans. I, I think it is, and I need to re-watch it. There is some recency bias, and it did hit a lot harder because most of phase four, in my opinion, has been so bad. Um, but at the moment, I think it's probably the best MCU film since Infinity War. It's definitely, I, I think it's upper tier. I think when I, I updated my rankings, I think I have it like maybe at number eight, either eight or nine or 10, but it's in the top 10 of all. Uh, of them. I, I, I'll be interested to say, I haven't logged it yet because um, I wanted to record first, but and I, I probably want to watch it again just to f- sort of fine-tune my thoughts. But just in, in general terms, there's not really anything apart from one scene that I had any issues with. I enjoyed it from start to finish the two and a half hours, because I, I didn't mention the runtime, it is long, um, flew by. I, I could have had another half an hour on the end of it and, and been quite happy. Um, I think Gunn... Nailed the end of his trilogy. Um, it, it, I, no, no characters really got shortchanged. I think everyone got a good ending. Some characters that had probably, I think, started to become almost parodies of them themselves. He kind of righted the ship on all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, a strong recommend from me. Um, so how do you if, uh, how do you rank the other two guardians? Are you do you like all oh, three? the first one? The, I, I like all three. I, there are some plot issues with two. Um, I thought the sort of personification of Ego as a human form and having him as Star-Lord's father was all a very weird choice. Um, I don't know why they went that route <laughs> at all. But um, obviously there's there's some really good emotional beats in that film, uh, particularly around um, Rocket and Yondu. Yeah, no, I, I like them all. I think... I've always said that pound for pound of the, of the sort of internal trilogies that Captain America is the strongest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I may prefer this as this might be my favorite trilogy within the MCU now. Is it just the yeah, humor or is it good. that you uh, you connect to the characters? I, I think, more? no, I mean, I like all the characters, um, but I think there's a continuity of tone through these three films because you've had, Gun at the helm, writing and directing on all of them, which is not the case with I think any of the other trilogies. Yeah, and I think I think the casting is just spot on. Every character I think is perfectly cast. 
Chris Pratt, who I normally find mildly irritating in a lot of things, I think this is <laughs> this would he's never going to get a role as good as Star Lord that so perfectly suits his skill set. He, he's not a Robert Downey Jr. or a um, you know a Benedict Cumberbatch. He he doesn't have that range of acting ability, I don't think. But in his wheelhouse, he's very very good, um, and I think this has been perfect for him. Yeah, no, I. I think I, I will happily rewatch any of the Guardians films anytime. Well, I want to I want to watch two again. I've seen it twice. I saw it in theaters. Didn't like. I mean, I like a lot of it, but overall, like, I didn't like. Uh, I think that's my biggest uh, disagreement with like people that like it. It was like the the Yondu character. Like, I liked it. I liked him a lot in the first one, where you could tell that he had affection for Star Lord, but it was not. Mm. <laughs> they didn't underline it. You know, it was it was just there, and yeah. you could sense it. And then the second movie pushes that to the forefront so much towards the end, and that that doesn't that just felt like like too much. I I think if you're with that movie, that moment where he sacrifices himself is amazing, and then you're just all in. But uh, I wasn't so. I was just like, oh, I was thinking of the special effects in that climax when I should have been <laughs> thinking of the characters. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the big problem. But I want to watch it again just because I I, I think that there's I really want to be- get a better grasp of the relationship between Peter and Rocket, which I think is so antagonistic in the second movie. And I understand that that's part of like that family dynamic, right? Like they, they just being around each other for a while now, and so Rocket mm. keeps just and like pushing and there's back. The real rivalry: who's right. the captain? Who's in charge? But, but here, uh, and I know it's because Rocket is, you know, so badly injured. But Peter is, is you know, he keeps referring to him as his best friend, and that was that caught me by surprise. And I, I mean, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was a nice touch, but I was like. Were they really best friends all along? <laughs> so I want to watch the second one again just to see. It's, I think there is, and it's probably a post-end game thing. I think I think um, Gamora's death probably did a lot to gel that crew together a lot, and I don't think we see most of that. I think there's just an assumption that in the ensuing years they've grown closer because of the absence of Gamora, but. I think you're right. There is a bit of a jump in terms of that relationship. Um, the last time I think that we really saw them having a huge amount of screen time together is probably when you've got Thor in the mix as well. And that was possibly their most antagonistic towards each other <laughs> because Star-Lord's embarrassing himself trying to stand up to the God of Thunder and Rocket's very much on Team Space Pirate, yep. and they go their separate ways and, and don't spend much of the movie together. So there, I think there is an assumption that they've, they've then spent a lot of time together going around doing good deeds and kind of formed a stronger bond um, that we probably never really see until Maybe this I can film. buy it. That's what I was asking also oh, about yeah. the Christmas special. I was like, is there like a moment in the Christmas special where like Rocket does something really nice for him? I don't remember Rocket even being in it. I mean, I, I watched it once and it was fairly forgettable. Um, it is what it is. It's a Christmas special. <laughs> um, and it is almost all Drax and Mantis. But the events of that are, are Drax and Mantis trying to get a, a Christmas present for Peter Quill to raise his spirits because he is down in the dumps. I don't remember him being spending 
the little screen time he had at the bottom of a bottle, which is where we <laughs> find him at the beginning of this. But um, I don't even recall Rocket being in it. I suppose he must have been along with Groot for part of it at least. But, yeah, I might rewatch it just to refresh my memory. Yeah, well, so that that was one of the the, the things you know. I wanted, and I wanted to watch it just to get like a full, you know, beginning to end. I want to watch all of their their stuff just to, you know, this is a nice ending, and I I want to experience it mm. all together. So I, I I like where all the characters ended. Um, even if I guess we're gonna see Star Lord at the end, it's he's not completely retired, but uh, and then. I guess we're for sure saying saying. I mean, I know Batista said that he's not coming back. He's done. And oh, for so- sure, he's done. Gamora's done. Zoe Saldana said she's n- never returning to the role. Um, I did read somewhere that Karen Gillan has also said that, which would upset me hugely. I I, I really hope that's not the last we see of Nebula. Um, yeah, I mean, was, but I was going to ask place. about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, and I, I've I've always thought that Nebula is a much more interesting character than Gamora. Ever since the even even from the first one, she's got a more interesting backstory. There's you know much more tragedy in the backstory. Um, I was really pleased to see her kind of get a not only more screen time, but I like the evolution of her character um, up to and in, and over the course of this film. Um, what did you think about the the balance of the characters and how some of them changed in this compared to the previous film? Uh, it was it was good. I I think I I mean. I, I could see how fans of Groot may feel like he didn't really get to do much in this one. I think he did just enough. I mean, you know, you've seen him grow. <laughs> and then here he's a badass. He saves the day a couple of times. He's buff. Uh, he he's, dances. He's well buff now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, everybody else. Uh, the biggest pleasure for me was them picking up that that thread from Endgame. The, the you know the big cliffhanger at the end of Endgame where it comes to the Guardians is like what's the deal with Gamora and Peter you know how are we gonna move forward mm. from this and and they hint that like well now he's obsessed with tracking her down and and so here we get to see that payoff they finally spend some time together and I thought it was just lovely that they they never get back together you know it's just this acknowledgement of like we're different I, people I like that there was there wasn't the which is kind of where I thought it was gonna go that it was gonna end with her going oh you know like. I don't love you, but I can start to see why I might. Let's just see where this crazy thing goes. I'm glad they didn't do that. Nope. Um, it just uh, did. We have fun. Yeah, we did. Okay, that's it's such a mature way to end that relationship, and especially when yeah. you know that that's it. You know that, that you're not gonna see these characters mm. together again. So it was uh, no. That was the biggest. The, the biggest. Uh, I'm. I mean, I, I still have a question mark hanging over me about why they didn't have to put her back in her correct place in the timeline. Because uh, I did hear who asked that. Somebody asked that, and I, was, and I was like, as I was listening to a podcast, I I, I was just like, oh, but I know it's because her because other stuff had to be put back, right? But she like the reason that the the stones have to be put back is because the stones are like a vital part of a timeline. If you don't put the but stone back oh. in the timeline, now everything else you can just change. You know, if Gamora is not part of a certain timeline, it's okay. Like the world keeps going. But if you don't put an infinity stone back where you took it from, then chaos ensues. Yeah. But if Gamora... Wa- and it's going to get too wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, and branching well, now. But Thanos, if Gamora doesn't go back to 2014, then is she not there to join the Guardians, or is that now an offshoot on the timeline? I think I it's an Kang offshoot. Can like, explain this? There's a there's a timeline where that Gamora is not there anymore. 
there's a timeline without Gamora and you know those guardians go into different adventures but also that same timeline yeah. doesn't have Thanos because Thanos died in our timeline so it's very different these are the questions and that they should be answering hurts. in movies like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> Yes, true, true. Um, the, the other thing I liked um, in terms of characters, and I sort of hinted at this before, Drax, and, and one of the reasons that Batista's so out is because the, Drax over the course of not just the Guardians films but the others as well has become such a buffoon. He's gone, you know, he's no longer Drax the Destroyer. He's just the kind of big clown that does stupid shit and adds no value. And I really liked the way that they had Nebula kind of start this film referencing that and going, what value do you bring? You're just an idiot. <laughs> and then by the end, <clears throat> coming to appreciate what the value he does bring. And, and Drax, I think, got treated a lot more respectfully in this film than in previous ones. Yeah, I, I like that that ending I like that Mantis had to spell it out for Nebula, which makes sense because Nebula wouldn't be able to see it on her own. And then that they no. they get to a very logical place, you know, because he he did start, you know, when we first met him, he was a, a father looking for revenge, and we end mm. with him embracing that role of being a father again, you know, just to a gazillion kids. So that's I thought that was satisfying. I I get why. Batista has issues with the way they treat the character, but I, I, as somebody who's not particularly well versed in the lore of Drax the Destroyer, you know, I just took it at face value. Whatever the movies were giving me, that's oh, what the, the character was. The MCU characters, most of them are not what they are in in the comics. Drax was human, and he and his wife die from memory, die in a car crash, and then his consciousness is uh, put into this destroy a body specifically created to um who did they create him to kill Vegas maybe but he's he's basically his consciousness is put into this super powerful body purely to be an assassin to kill this other powerful cosmic being um it's but, but I mean this is why I understand all the change it's the particularly the cosmic Marvel stuff is yep. so bloody convoluted everything sort of ends up relating back to Thanos in some way. You, I mean, you've got Gamora and, and, and Nebula, but you've also got, yeah, so Drax, before he died as a human, there he and his wife's daughter who survives the car crash um, is, I think, grows up to be Moondragon. Okay. Who Who is this telepath- Telekinetic. I know Moon Dragon from, artist the, from the Captain chip. Marvel uh, comics, and and then Moon Dragon, um, she falls in love with Philavel. Now mm-hmm. Philavel is the w- one kind of core Guardians of the Galaxy member who's never been in the films, and every, all the fans of Guardians are sort of always going, well, "What's what everyone? Where's Philavel?" <laughs> and then. I remember when they cast when when Gunn announced that he'd cast um, what's her name Daniela Melchior Ratcatcher two from um, mm-hmm. the Suicide Squad. She'd been cast in this, and everyone oh finally we're getting Philavel. Obviously that's and then she ended up being just some random <laughs> office drone at, at, at the High Evolutionary's place. 
Um, and but then we got Filavel as a child version right at the end, joining uh, the new Guardians under Rocket. So you sort of check that fan box, but and Adam Warlock, who's kind of in the comics, rivals slash mates with Thanos, and was <laughs> one of the bearers of the Infinity Gauntlet at one point, and was in um, uh, Guardians at, at one point. But then he's obviously, you know, rewritten as a create a creation of. Well, of the high evolutionary, I guess. Via did that? Did that bother you? Because I know Ox. that, like, even again, not being super I, familiar with the with the lore, I was like, "This is not the Adam Warlock from the comics." It, I no, didn't mind no, 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 it, no. but I could see a lot of people taking issue. I think initially, for the first half, I guess, of the film, it annoyed me a bit that <clears throat> they'd made him so much of a idiot. Uh-huh. You know, oh, he 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 came out of the microwave too early, so his brain's not fully <laughs> formed, and he's a bit of a moron. Um, but I think Will Poulter did an amazing job. I'm a big fan of his, and I think he he acted the part as written really, really well. And by the time we got to the end, I think he'd had a nice little mini character arc. And I think I if I don't I don't think they will, but if they did another Guardians film with you know the new Guardians under Rocket with you know, Swole, Groot, and Adam Warlock, and Philavel, and you know, I think I, I would watch that quite happily. I think that yep. he's he's ended up being quite a good character. Um, but yeah, the, he's not the sort of giant cosmic being that he is in the comics by right. any stretch. Um, the High Evolutionary. I I was. I don't think I've ever read a comic book with the High Evolutionary. I've read comics where they oh. mention him, so I knew kind of like what his because you're was, so but. young, you're so young and youthful. <laughs> I remember the High Evolutionary loomed large over it for quite a while um, when I was reading X Men and X Factor. They, they had a, a saga called the Evolutionary War, which I'm not sure if that's where they first introduced him, but that was sort of his where you got his backstory, and he was this human who had um you know was obsessed with evolving and, and creating perfect you know evolutionary perfection and he had all of the what did he call them new men i think instead of human and, and that were his <laughs> sort of animal uh, people um and he he's i think in one of the iterations he's the one that created i think quicksilver and scarlet witch i know they at one point they were magneto's kids but I think they rewrote that, and he ended up being the one that gave them powers at some point. Cast him. I know he he lives in the now, mountain. Uh, isn't it Wondergore uh, or whatever? Which <clears throat> I think yep, that's where what, they go what, in what, Doctor what, Strange. Yeah, yeah. So there's you know they're throwing little references in there, but yeah, it's great. I, I think he he's one of the more interesting villains we've had. Um, I liked his motivations. Um, I love the fact that he got increasingly more manic and crazed as as we went on. He got to that the point where his own what, people turned on him, which was yeah, really and, cool. <laughs> in in one of the least effective coups ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, James Gunn's really he's, he's like ta- sort of Tarantino now, and he's he's got his little troop of actors that he just uses everywhere. Uh, we we had. Half the cast of Peacemaker in this. You've got, I mean, his, his, his wife's now popping up in everything, which is fine. I think she's awesome. I love her. But, yeah, we had Ratcatcher 2 in here. We had, obviously, um, 
uh, Michael Rooker and Nathan Fillion, who he's had in, I think, every film he's ever made. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I loved Fillion's um, lengthy cameo in this. I thought he was hysterical when they're facing off and they're, <laughs> he's, they're comparing Groot to his own useless <laughs> psychic. Yeah, I've got one I have of one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of what they did with the high evolutionary. I I had been trying like I do most of the time like with most movies. I was trying to stay away from the the news and the the hype. And I've seen the trailer I think maybe once, so I had no idea that the high evolutionary was the bad guy. And it didn't really click until like I don't know maybe we're like thirty minutes into the movie or so. And you know you start learning about the experiments. And I'm like, oh, this must be the high evolutionary. <laughs> and then once all the pieces mm. clicked together, it was it was pretty <clears> cool to just see him. And and yeah, he's. He's terrible. I mean, he's one of the most, uh, I think, hateable. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, because you you can't get behind his point of view. Like with with Thanos. I mean, Thanos was a monster too. But oh yeah, you could sure. understand his logic with him with the High Evolutionary. Mm. You just he's full on deranged, and it's just a lot of fun to yeah to just even hate Loki. Him. You've got enough. You've got enough of Loki's backstory to kind of right understand. Okay, he's he's got massive daddy issues, and and. He, <laughs> You know, feels entitled and so on, and yeah, as you say, Thanos get past the all the killing. You sort of go, okay, well, he's an environmentalist. You know, <laughs> you can't you can't hate him. He's he's basically in Greenpeace. Um, <laughs> whereas, yeah, I mean, this I, and I I'd steered clear of. I had, I don't think I'd seen a trailer for this, so I didn't know it was going to be the High Evolutionary. I didn't know anything other than someone was going to either be badly injured or die because um, there were enough memes of Star-Lord going, ah! <laughs> floating around to go, okay, well, we're gonna, there's going to be some stakes in this. But um, I had seen the casting um, of, uh, what's his name? Chukwudi Iwuji. Need to check that off. Um, who I knew from... Peacemaker. So mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, he he's probably the villain because he's one of Gunn's guys, so he's not going to be a cameo. Uh -huh. um, he's probably the bad guy, but I didn't know who it was going to be. And I think um, while it's not the same high evolutionary from the comics, I think he's they, they did a great job on the character. And the reveal of what Rocket had done to him <laughs> at the end. When he takes the face off. Is, is, it, is it Nebula that sort of goes to pick up a bit of skin and just keeps <laughs> pulling and pulling and pulling until the whole face comes off. I did not expect that. That was fantastic. It, it Yeah, it, that movie, this movie, it went a little further than I expected. It always worked for me. But yeah, for example, I did not expect that shot of him. You know, I thought that they were going to take the face off and you were not going to see that. You know, you're going to see their reaction. Mm. And you just understand. You see yeah. them holding... The face, then you yeah. know what. But no, he he gave us the shot of the his his faceless head. Um, oh yeah, yeah, he dug into his horror roots. <laughs> yeah, that, scene. that was well, that that one scene had more horror than Sam Raimi's entire Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> uh, but then also the way that he handled Rocket's backstory that was like that was rough, and I liked it. I I was. Uh, I was going to ask because I know you, I, I'm allergic to everything with fur, so I've never owned pets. I, I love animals, but I don't have that. Um, I've got friends that have, you know, dogs and cats and things, mm -hmm. and they really have an issue with 
um, violence on animals in in films that that doesn't hit me in the same way. Now I know you're a pet owner. Oh yeah, four cats. How did one you dog. go with? Yeah, how did you go with that stuff? I, I mean, it was disturbing, but I think it's meant to be disturbing. So in that oh in yeah, that yeah. sense, it's just it works. Uh, yeah, if that kind of thing like. Uh, rattles you so much that you can't enjoy the movie, I and mean, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. That's obviously, well, you know, the trigger warning and all that stuff. You know, like some people just yeah. really get get jolted by that kind of stuff. I, I, I found it. The thing that was running through my head was more like, how far is he going to go? Because you know that that story doesn't have a happy ending from the moment that you know they set up those flashbacks. Uh, you know, I was like, there's no yeah. way that these although, little animals survive. I, I was. I, I didn't expect it to go because, uh, and again, there's so much law there, but f- from, and I, I was never a, a, a dedicated Guardians reader, but I know enough about Rocket to know that um, he had a f- sidekick or a friend called Walrus at some point, and um, Lila, I think it is, the, the, the one that Linda Cardellini voiced, the mm-hmm. main sort of friend, Um is a character from the comics and has a sort of an, a prolonged, I think the the rabbit character, whatever it's, I can't remember its name now, but um, there are a, a couple, I think, in the comic. Uh, they, they have a, a, an existence in the comics. So I was kind of expecting that the four of them were going to end up escaping, but that they were going to lose one another and then potentially down the track there might be a rocket standalone where he goes to find them all. So it kind of, I, I wasn't expecting. That's a happier version of uh, them to, <laughs> to finally get out of their cages and last like three seconds before just being gunned down. I, I think that um, I was expecting the worst just because you have to make the transition from, you know, the rocket that you're seeing there to the rocket that we know yeah. that's just so bitter and so distrustful of people yeah, and true, so on. So true. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is going to end up and badly and it was just more of a question of like how far is gun gonna take it and even though it never gets uh you know it's like they get shot it, it's not like you see like something horrible it's, but that's enough like emotionally it really i think that's almost worse because it's you've you've he's so effectively given character to all three of mm-hmm. them they, they're very distinct personalities you, you know and in a short space of time, he's very effectively kind of gelled them into a foursome where they they're relying on each other. They they have you know strong ties between them to then just snuff them out. You know they don't even get final words. Yeah, <laughs> they literally take one step well, out, bang, uh, they, bang, bang. I mean, they do get like uh, their final scene later on, so I guess that maybe. Yeah, they, but I guess what I was thinking was, like, I don't have kids, but if if I had taken my kids to watch this movie uh, on the strength of like, oh, they had such a good time with uh, the first two Guardians, you know, that would be the moment where I'm like, oh my God, are they going to be traumatized when they come out of this? You know, because it's, <clears throat> uh, which is, you know, it's fine. I mean, I think that you you take that gamble every time you take your kids to the movies. <laughs> but it's, yeah. you know, it, it, it I appreciated it. It was just a little bit distracting, but that's just the way that I watch movies. I think the way that a lot of us watch movies, when you watch a movie and you're like, analyzing it as, as you go then it's just uh i land on the positive side i've heard some people say that mm. that it was too much and i understand you know the, the, but yeah I, it, I, it worked for me i, I kind of get if you're bothered by john wick where a dog dies it's like james gunn's gone okay 
<laughs> I'm going to make that dog talk and give it a personality before I shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that 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 I was like that I found like I found myself enjoying it, but also had this running commentary in my head was the the big climatic violence, uh, you know, extravaganza. That's like all one shot when they're finally breaking into the the, 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 the corridor raid. Yes, where everybody gets. Scene. To, kick ass and it's like almost operatic in the way that the camera moves and mm. the music and you know everybody and it's just so cool but so it's really cool in the sense that if you don't have a problem with violence and you shouldn't if you're watching you know marvel movies <laughs> where that this is how yeah. this is how we resolve conflict you know it's like we shoot the bad guys and, uh but it was still like it kind of felt I, I thought it was really well done and i had a good time but there was a voice in the back of my head that was like man three movies in this is how they're solving their problems still. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, James Gunn like injects a lot of heart into the movies and and they do have a journey, like an emotional journey, and they grow as characters. And uh but it's kind of funny when you see Rocket say, I'm not gonna shoot the high evolutionary, I'm just gonna leave him to die because I'm a guardian of the galaxy. But then at the same time, you know, there's just this, you know, 10-minute extended sequence where they're just like killing people and it's not like I can come up with an, a better, like, like a better alternative, you know? It's like, okay, how do you solve this? But it was, it's just like, you know, you're watching the movie that you're watching. It's like, at the end, you're watching a superhero yeah. movie that is uh, not going to criticize violence. It's just going to kind of like pay lip service to the fact that there are some lines that we might not cross, but by and large, yeah, we're we'll, just going to we'll, shoot the bad guys. We'll, ha- <clears throat> we'll have Peter Quill... Kind of rain in Gamora once or twice. <laughs> yes. Just be- before exactly. we get to the big bloodbath and say, oh, no, 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 I'll just charm, you know, Ratcatcher instead of, you know, holding <laughs> yes. a knife to her throat. So that, you know, two seconds later when we're mowing down people just doing their jobs, um, it'll take the sting out of it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I think that when you're with a movie, it, it doesn't matter because you're having a good time. And I was having a good time. So I'm just like, it was just this curiosity in the back of my head where I'm like, I wonder how many people, you know, have issue with this. Because if you have, and and then right away, I would say, well, if you have issue with this, you would have had issues with like the entire movie, you know, and the franchise. A, I mean, there is, a, there is a distinct difference, I think, in the film between the who, people they're fighting there who are literally just security guards doing their job and they even go to the point of having Nathan Fillion talk a bit about, you know, give them backstory and, you know, they're like, kind of like the henchmen in um, Austin Powers. <laughs> no one thinks about the henchmen. Um, <laughs> as opposed to um, the high evolutionaries kind of Monsters. security monstrosities, the, the, the ones voiced by like um, – Pete Davison and Judy Greer and so on, the the pig you know, warthog and the they're kind of like Bebop and Rocksteady <laughs> and and from um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever or Power Rangers or whatever they're from. Um, but then you have are, like the creations in between, and it's kind of weird because the, the they actually make the point of of showing that Mantis can befriend these big monsters. Yeah, and so that makes you wonder. <clears throat> yeah. like, well. So they're all, there's humanity. You kind of feel sorry for that poor thing that got gutted at the start of the second film now because (laughs) she's now made friends with three of these poor things and they're just nice animals. Yeah. (laughs) Now we've kind of eviscerated one of the poor things. (laughs) 
dear. So what's um, the, what's the oh, scene that you don't like? You said that there's one scene. Oh, that- yes. There's all right. So, and, I, and I've heard people explain this off by saying, "Oh, Star Lord's part God," but he's not because he gave all that away in the second film. He's just a bloke now, but apparently he's a bloke that can survive in the cold vacuum of space to the point where his entire head distorts and his eyeballs freeze. Um, and just get not even convalesce for a week in a in a med bay. <laughs> Literally, just. Thaw out in seconds and be absolutely fine. People shat all over that Princess Leia thing. <laughs> and and this is worse than that. And she had the force. Star-Lord had nothing, including, I might add, the stupid bloody magic helmet earpiece thing that he's had for the previous two films that conveniently he didn't have now. I just assumed and that he lost James, in the Christmas James Gunn on Twitter. Yeah, James Gunn's response on Twitter was, it's in his drawer in on, in his room on nowhere, in, in the de- in his desk drawer. It's like fucking what? Come on, that I, that scene was stupid. I forgot that he had given up uh, his his godlike status in the second movie. Because to me, I was just like, oh yeah, he's a god. He survived, you know, the end of the first Guardians. Of course, he's got to survive like this little bit in the space. Uh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. So. He, he, I'm sure he he expended it in in defeating ego. Well, maybe there's st- he um, still has some of it in there. You know, you never completely lose a, l- a little bit, little bit of spark. Yeah, just to keep him going until uh, Adam Warlock yeah. shows up. It's a like, if it, maybe if they hadn't had his entire head distort and had a close up of his eyeballs freezing, you know, I could have you know <laughs> accepted. But but they made a point of. Literally showing his skull distort, and I thought, uh, "You don't come back from that. That's fucking stupid." But so it's the o- it, it is my only niggle. Were you surprised <clears throat> that that they all I, made it to the I end? I thought that. Uh, yes, I, I literally thought I didn't think Rocket was going to die, but I th- when we got to that moment, and I'm sure that's why he took it so far with the um, effects on Quill's face when he's in in the vacuum of space. Mm-hmm. They wanted you to think. Oh, it's the final film. They've killed him off, and I, I had I thought that was what was going to happen, which is probably why it annoyed me even more when he bounced back. I thought, you don't, you don't do that to me, gun you bastard. <laughs> uh, the music. How did you, what did you think of the music? Oh, oh look at that. Yes, great mic. Yeah. Uh, um, how did you think? We've obviously cleverly sort of migrated last movie. From cassette tapes to a Zune. <laughs> yeah. So that we're not limited to the same 10 songs over three films and we can um, go through decades. So we, we, we're now up to the 2000s. How did you think the, the needle drops went? I like them. I mean, I can tell you that they, they worked in the movie as in like they never felt like they, they were working against what was happening. Um, it's difficult to... Because my first, my gut reaction is like, it's not, the soundtrack is not as iconic as the one in the first Guardians or even the one in the second Guardians. But that's because those movies and that, those soundtracks have had more time to kind of, you know, just surround me. Uh, I know that this one, you know, obviously it starts with Creep and I'm like, oh, that's a song I know. And then the other songs, I'm like, (laughs) oh, those are songs I've heard, but not songs that I could just like call out right away. So, uh, whereas uh, the, and I guess it's always the opening scenes right because you had you know come and get my love in the first one and then the second one mm. it's, it's mr 
what is it? It's not Mr. Bright. Blue Sky. It, it, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, yeah. Blue Sky. Uh, and so they, the way that those songs orchestrate, you know, around the, the those really wild opening sequences, uh, they're very imaginative. I think that they work really well, and that's and here Creep, I think, does the same thing. You know, it's a, it's a different tone as you. It's and it it sets that it really set the tone for the film as well. The first two, you know, the 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 first film, it's it's almost playful. Um, mm-hmm. watch, watching the um, Star Lord dancing along to the Redbone song, um, then you've got that massive opening where they kill that poor innocent creature um, in <laughs> yes. the second one um, with Mister Blue Sky, which is it's just a joy. It's one of the best openings I've, I oh, think I've I've seen. Oh, I played that song so much ba- since that movie. Baby Groot doing his own little mini <laughs> intro, completely just <laughs> you know separate from the main conflict, chasing the little rat things around. Um, but then this was obviously much more somber, um, and really, and you're set, following, you know, uh, you, Rocket, which really yeah. is such a big deal. Which uh, is, and and I mean, essentially, this is Rocket's film. It's mm-hmm. it's his journey in this film. The previous two have all been about Star Lord and his daddy issues and his Gamora issues, and <laughs> you know, all of the and his, and his Yondu issues. It's all been very much centered around him and. The rest of the Guardians are kind of all in orbit around him and his story. You get very little for any of the other characters, really. Um, whereas this time around, it's all about Rocket. You know, we touch briefly on you know Star Lord trying to talk to Gamora, but it's it's really sidelined. It's all about Rocket, his backstory, his journey. Is he going to make it, uh, and, and so on? And I think, yeah, that that slowed down acoustic. I think I think it's just Tom York. I don't even think it's Radiohead that version. I'm not sure. I might be wrong. Um, but I thought that set the tone for the film perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, I couldn't tell you like the other songs. I just know that when they played, they worked really well, and that uh, I probably mm-hmm. recognize you know a couple of them. But I mean, he knows how to put together a soundtrack, in, and I'm sure that you know after I watch the movie a couple more times, and I I just have the soundtrack on my Spotify, then all those are gonna be just like with Mr. Blue Sky, Mr. Blue Sky. You know, it's just gonna be part of my just my playlists. But uh, yeah, I think he definitely and did. He, he he unlike so you sort of it's easy to lump him in James Gunn. I mean, with Tarantino and Edgar Wright and these other guys who are sort of become known for putting together really awesome soundtracks of often obscure songs, but things that work really, really well in the films. But where I think Gunn's particularly good is, one, because of the kind of clever idea of the, well, the, the tape deck and now the Zune mm-hmm. and the fact that they all have shared comms, you know, Bluetooth earpiece things, that you can have these songs peppered throughout, but they can be, diegetic rather than just pure soundtrack yep. and you can have the characters sing along with them and stuff. And so because, because of that and the songs that he's chosen, they don't just work um, sort of melodically with a scene, but he seems, and, and I'm sure I've read somewhere him saying that he, he chooses the songs to fit the scene. So, you know, uh, in the second one we had like Cat Stevens' father and son when, Peter Quill's think talking to or thinking about ego, like the the lyrics of the songs and, and creep as well. You know, the lyrically they work with where the characters are in the particular scene as well, um, which I think is is 
all through all three films, it had been really, really successful. I saw a great clip actually in this film. There's a Florence and the Machine song, and and um, I can't remember if it's James Gunn or Florence herself who posted a, a short TikTok video of her watching the her song in the scene for the first time and just like tears streaming down her face. Which it, I that was, was the end song, right? It, like the one at the end that they're all dancing to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. But yeah, that, that that was beautiful. I just remembered that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that that was that was like one of the genius moves when they the way that they established this franchise and these characters around musical choices and, and music is such a big because you're right it's not just oh this is the song that we play in the background while stuff is happening it's like no mm -hmm. these are the songs that the characters are listening to and and yeah I mean and that means Rocket something is singing to them. along you, you've, yeah and and I, God, I can't remember which song it is now but I think it's in the second film where Peter puts on a song and one by one the entire it, all of the guardians start chiming in, and eventually they're all singing along with it. Um, You're thinking of almost from, famous, you know, and, and tiny dancer. That's a different movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Gun copy that. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should be paying Cameron Crowe some royalties. Um, but no, the it's it, the fact that the music means so much to the characters because it means so much to Peter Quill because it's the only thing he's sort of got left from his mother. And then with the Zoom, it's the only thing he's got left from Yondu. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of understand why he risks everything, risks his life to go back and get his bloody MP3 player. Yep. And also what a big gesture it is when he leaves it for Rocket. I yep. found that almost one of the most moving parts of the entire film is when he leaves it for Rocket. <laughs> and then Rocket plays... Come and get your love, and it's just we're full yeah. circle. It just it, it just Bookends works the whole thing. Yeah, and, and I, I did love that little scene with the um, Rockets new team talking about their favorite artists and, and that before while they're waiting for this horde of beasts to come over the rise. Yeah, uh, did uh, it's Sean Gunn, right? That's the name of uh, the guy that now has Yondu's. Um, yeah, yeah, James Gunn. Yeah, it's his brother. Yeah. Um, He's, how, he's in everything. How do you like him? How do you like his... I, I was... I mean, I liked him, but I was surprised that he ended up being such a big part of, you know... The, oh, the character you know. Craglin, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I... More Craglin. Give me more Craglin. Give me more <laughs> Sean Gunn in everything. I, I, um, I was a huge fan of the TV show Gilmore Girls, uh, which is the, where I first came across him. He was a regular cast member in that. And it, 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 despite the surnames, it took about th two or three films for me to sort of put two and two together and go, oh, he's related to the director on these. No wonder he's popping up in everything. Um, but he's uh, he's such a gifted physical performer. He's he's almost like an Andy Serkis in, in, to me. So he, he's as well as Craglin, he's the on-set rocket. For rocket, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, when they, yeah. So he's he's down on all fours acting Rocket. Um, well, um, Cooper does the voice, and um, obviously he was um, Weasel in the Suicide Squad, who is by far the best character in that film. <laughs> um, he's he's a really really good physical actor, and I think he's got a he's got great comic timing. So no, I was pleased we got more of him. I liked his little relationship with Cosmo. Uh huh. Yeah. 
the whole bad dog, bad dog. Oh no, you're a good dog. That was <laughs> that was fantastic as well. Um, no, I, I I was really pleased we got a bit more of him in this one. Yeah, I I guess I just didn't see it coming, and then I, I was like, oh, he's not just like a a, a one off joke. He actually is coming. He, he has an arc, and then by the end, he gets the confidence to to save the day, and then. Yeah, and then Cosmo saves him. It's just really, which makes and, sense also because and, and you that know, gave, he's part of the next generation. The, yeah, and it gave us the excuse to have a Michael Rooker cameo, which <laughs> yes, James Gunn was <laughs> needed to check his box of having Fillion and Rooker in everything he's ever made. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, uh, I, I thought all of the um, you had a lot of um, performers doing. Very small parts, but but all really having fun with it. She was great. Um, all the ca- all the people doing cameos as guards and ravagers. Um, you had um, Michael Rosenbaum in there, um, in as part of Sly Stallone's crew of yeah. the original Guardians of the Galaxy that they threw in as a token. Yeah. Have you? Uh, we didn't have, have Miley Cyrus back though. Uh, have you heard from Billy? Do you know if he's been able to get past his uh, his issues with uh, Elizabeth Debicki to to appreciate her in this movie? <laughs> Does he has he got issues with her as well? I know he's got Kate Blanchett issues, which are just well, yeah, because unfathomable she's, to me. She's too tall. That's that's what you know started. That's what revealed that that Billy had issues with tall women. <laughs> that is striking a. Chord memory wise now though, um, no, I, I've seen. I think he's three started on Letterboxd, so he, he obviously his MCU fatigue is not all encompassing now. I think uh-huh. this is probably one of his favourites of Phase Four at any rate with that score. So um, I'll be interested to hear what he thinks of it, but. Uh, I don't think he'll be as high on it as you and I are, just because it's a Marvel movie. At, at three stars, I doubt it. No. He's gonna tell you it's okay. <laughs> uh, where did you land? Are you are you a five star person? Um, four stars? I I'm know you said that you had a five star yet, person. Um, it, it it I think it's gonna be three and a half or four, probably four, and that's I think gonna put it kind of alongside things like Winter Soldier and in you know just not quite Infinity War, but. I'd put this higher than Endgame. Um, <laughs> That's right. You're you're one of those people. Endgame was very very <laughs> effective at tugging on heartstrings, but there's some fucking stupid shit in it. <laughs> Stupider than uh, Star Lord jumping and not dying in the, well, the vacuum of space. Yes. <laughs> every female that every female character in the MCU just happening to all be standing together. In the middle of the biggest battle in the history of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> it's destiny. And th- and then mouthing empty platitudes about how they're going to help Captain Marvel, who's literally just flown through a spaceship and exploded it. Yeah, but they don't it, know that. For all they know, she, she's tired I, now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is this was a great film, and I'm I'm really pleased that. Uh, a this trilogy wrapped up so effectively, and and all the characters kind of got 
growth. They all ended up in good places. There were no lazy writing outs for any of the characters putting Star-Lord and Gamora together or, God forbid, Star-Lord and Nebula, even though mm-hmm. that's a funny scene. Um, I think the humour all landed. I've, I've heard some criticism that, the you know, the jokes weren't didn't work in this. I thought the jokes that were there were all great and they all worked. Yeah. It's, it's just probably dark. better than the previous film. Yeah, which I think made them land all the better when they did land. Um, yeah, that was that was something. Who was I? I was talking to somebody about this, uh, about how, in a way, the like I I don't really complain very much about like the the ratio of quips that we get in most Marvel movies. I'm like I just take them as you know that's that's just what they are. But but there is something to be said for just how powerful it was to have these very dramatic scenes that they were not that were not undercut by jokes at all. You know, like, and, yeah. and it was kind of weird because in a way, the Marvel Universe, the, the last 10 movies or so, like, they trained me to kind of wait for the joke, you know? So every time there was a big dramatic moment here, I was like, all right, and now how do they deflate it with a joke? And yeah. they never did that, you know? They just let no. it land and just let you soak it in. <laughs> no no joking around. And, and I, I will say, uh, for someone that I generally don't consider to be a great actor... I think this is the best acting I've ever seen Chris Pratt do. The, the the sort of the meme scene where he's no, you know, um, I once we sort of got to the point where I could see that that's where the scene was heading. I really expected him to overact it. I expected it to be pounding on Rocket's chest, going, "No, Lord, <laughs> you're not taking him today." <laughs> but um, he he was fantastic. That scene was probably the hardest hitting in the whole film i think it, it really really worked yeah no he's he's really good everybody just they went out on a high note so um i yeah. already said um, so five stars for me so um you're excited i assume for the rest of phase four and phase five and getting to kang dynasty and secret wars and yeah, however we yeah. get there i it's funny because um, I've, and part of it might be just because, like I said, I, I try to kind of stay away from just all the promotional stuff and whatever. But it's like, yeah, I I was not thinking about Guardians until you know the weekend it was coming out, and then and then I got really excited. You know, it's like, oh, let's go watch the Guardians movie. Same thing, like, uh, Quantum Mania. You know, it's like I didn't know it was coming out, and then I saw it was coming out, and then I went to watch it. I had a good time. You know, and it, yeah. I, I think that I just. I can't tell you, like, I don't even know what the next Marvel movie is. I just know I'm going to be excited when I go see it, but I'm not, you know, frothing at the mouth. Just see, I'm, the next I'm definitely excited for Marvels. I was actually yes. more excited for Marvels than for Guardians. So, um, because I, A, um, Captain Marvel is is one of my favourite MCU films, now that I've seen it a few times. I, I, I love Brie Larson. I think she's great in the role. I think that's a... Really, really enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. I loved Miss Marvel, the TV show. Um, kind of take or leave Monica Rambeau. Um, <laughs> but she was, you know, she was in WandaVision and I liked that show. But um, I'm very excited for what they're going to do in that film. The thing that I'm most excited for now, though, having seen the legendary Star-Lord will return kind of coda at the end of, of this film and seeing kind of the new Guardians team um, with, with Adam Warlock, etc., who I don't think are necessarily going to get their own film, 
But I do think that we're going to get a star legendary Star Lord TV show somewhere oh, wow. in probably Phase Five. Because I looked at the 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 timeline that Marvel have announced, and most of Phase Four is kind of in there. We know we're about to get uh, Secret Invasion mm-hmm. on on TV. Um, we know we've got Marvels coming. We know there's season two of Loki, you know, coming not too far off down the track. All all this stuff sort of feeding towards Secret Wars and the, the multiverse Kang thing. There's sort of all bits and pieces. But there's a there there is more unannounced stuff than there is announced stuff. Uh-huh. And there's been enough hints dropped now about mutants and X-Men that I'm sure that there's going to be something coming sort of towards the latter end that they're keeping under wraps that's going to bring in, if not a full X-Men thing, I think that might be something they're keeping for phase six or something. Um, At least starting to introduce some of the characters who will later, like they did with uh, the Avengers, start to introduce some of the mutant characters. Um, And I, I have, I'm not taking full credit for this. I had to be reminded um, <clears throat> by someone else who put something online, but um, there was a legendary Star Lord comic where he hooks up with Kitty Pride from the X Men. What? <laughs> so, and 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 I mean, this is obviously there's there's all sorts of theories being bandied about, but this was the one that really looked promising and made me excited. That they haven't set him back up with Gamora. They basically made it clear that that's not going to happen. Right. They haven't. That they've taken him out of the team and they've said he will return, not the Guardians will return, right. which is what you've had on the previous two. He will return. And it's, it's not just Star-Lord will return, it's the legendary Star-Lord will return. And the comic was called the legendary Star-Lord. So it's all starting to line up and I'm thinking, is, it, is this where the X-Men are going to come in? <laughs> it would be such an off-the-beaten-path way to introduce the X-Men. I mean, it could happen. But you sound a little crazy well, I, right I, now, Dave. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it is what they did with, you didn't start with an Avengers movie. In fact, no one knew an Avengers movie was even coming right. when we first started. We just, we just, we had a Hulk movie and then when we had Iron Man and, you know, that was successful. So they went, ooh, let's make more of these. And you had a Thor and, and then we started to go, oh, you know, they're going to bring them together. And it's like, oh, surely not. You're not going to bring all these stars into one movie. That'll be too expensive. Who's going to pay for that? So, and, and DC have been so monumentally inept <laughs> trying to shortcut that journey <laughs> by putting the team things too early and not building up the characters and, and the, you know, fan love for them over time that I, I think if – and. The X Men are going to come. We know it's going to happen eventually. They've they even shoehorned poor old Patrick Stewart into that god awful Doctor Strange movie just to make it clear that oh well there are X Men. They just might be in other universes. Yeah, they've you know they've they've been dropping these little hints. Miss Marvel had you know used the word mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, Namor, the yeah. you know the Submariner in you know boring old Wakanda two. Called himself a mutant. It's, yep. it's it's coming. So post Kang, whether we get it, whether it's a you know the, the next big bag's going to be 
apocalypse or whether it's going to be Mr. Sinister or, you know, I, I, I think the mutants are, you know, obviously going to come and I'm, I'm not putting money on it, but I'm just saying legendary Star-Lord TV series in phase, phase five may introduce Kitty Pride. I'm just saying, I didn't think of it. Someone else thought of it first. But I guess I'm it just seems like such a to to introduce the the X Men concept via Kitty Pride. That's the part I guess that I'm having trouble. I don't I, think I that'll be the character. only character. I, th- I think there there will be one or two others, and then you just and I think they'll, they they will start to drop them in TV shows and you know in, in movies and things like that. because yeah I mean Phase Five the, between Phase Four and Phase Five there's something like eleven unannounced things that are on the timeline. That's a lot of stuff to not introduce yes. some new bits and pieces. <laughs> well, I will watch it. I, I liked uh, Star-Lord as a character. I like Chris Pratt as Star-Lord. And uh, whatever they do with him, I'm sure it'll be interesting. So, you know, yeah, I am a Marvel shill. I, <laughs> I'm down for whatever they put out. And uh, I, I hope I don't get to the point where I burn out on it. I, I don't... Uh, begrudge anybody that's burned out on Marvel stuff. I understand there's a lot of stuff there, a, lo- a lot of output. Yeah. Uh, Scorsese's getting on. He doesn't have a lot of time left. He, he he needs, he can't keep up with all of this. He's allowed to get crotchety. Yeah. Well, you just have to, uh, you have to summarize it for him and then you just, just give him the, the. Yeah. Send him a cheat sheet. Yeah. The spark notes. That's, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Alrighty. So Guardians 3. Big thumbs up, big recommend from Julio and myself. And, well, you know, I'll look out there, probably a, a, a cautious, you know, yeah, sure, from Billy when he gets to it. It was um, okay. Yeah. Um, to, be, before we, we wrap up, tell, tell I mean, for, for people who don't listen to The Contrarians, and by God, they should, it's the most wonderful, unique podcast, but t- tell everyone where they can find you and what they can find when they do. Uh, well, you can just look for The Contrarians uh, on your podcatchers or go to our website, wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you find our uh, our episodes. And what we do, and you should all know by this by now, because I've been... Uh, Billy's had me over to talk about a couple movies here, and, and so I always try to come up with a new way of explaining what we do, and it really it's pointless. Cause <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, we talk about... Uh, movies we we look at the run tomatoes score and we argue against that score so the really fresh movies we talk about them like they're rotten like they're bad movies and we do the opposite with rotten movies we talk about them like they're good and just kind of like to have fun with it with the concept of assigning a very uh you know black and white score which is what run tomatoes does with movies and kind of like to play with the idea of film criticism and how you can just like make yourself be positive or negative about whatever you want. And then on the second half of every episode, we just tell you how we really feel. Sometimes, sometimes we agree with run tomatoes. Sometimes we don't, but like we just did, uh, I need to finish editing our, uh, Jurassic world dominion episode. That's 29% oh, run tomatoes. To so, you know, the first and that's part- generous. <laughs> <laughs> the first part of the episode is us just talking about how awesome it is. Because, you know, it's a rotten movie, so we have to say nice <laughs> things about it. And, and then sometimes you just force yourself to find the good in it, you know? And, yeah. So, and I think that's the that's the real beauty is obviously there's a lot of humor there when you're talking about a piece of shit like it's <laughs> Citizen Kane. But there are, there, I mean, there are times where the Rotten Tomato score, I, I think, really doesn't tell the full story. And, and it is really good to be able to sort of 
highlight the things that do really work. Yeah, I think so, that yeah, it, definitely ch- check it out. It's a great show. In a perfect world, people wouldn't just look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Like Rotten Tomatoes score would be one of the things they look at, but then they would also look at like the names of the critics, you know, and like which critics do you usually align with, and then go with that instead of just like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes says this is ten percent, I it must be terrible. I was like, no, it just means that mm. you know, ten percent of the critics actually thought it was good, <laughs> and that's not quite yeah. the same thing. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, you might have, might have heard Billy and I recently did. Hidden gem comedy shows mm-hmm. that, um, and I think probably everything we talked about is under fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and we wholeheartedly stand behind all of those, including Your Highness Billy, wherever you are, <laughs> which is a great comedy. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, if you want to keep track of us, obviously, wewatchthething.com. You can get in touch with us at wewatchthething at gmail.com. Follow us at, at wewatchthething on all of your social platforms. Um, if you have a spare five minutes, by all means, um, do jump in, give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate that. It always helps the show. Um, I think next week, Billy and I are going to be doubling down on some horror with some Evil Dead Rise and some Renfield, so that'll be <laughs> lots of fun. Have you caught either of those? Yet, no, I, I want to watch Renfield. Uh, Evil Dead, I don't know, I watched the remake from, what is it, like 10 years ago? Whenever they did the- Fetty Alvarez, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, eh, this is not as fun as the, the Raimi movies, so- No, I don't know. no, I mean, there's, and yeah, I mean, th- this new one is not that type of fun. It's It's a lot more kind of- genuine horror um, yeah it, it takes a lot of uh, people telling me that i should watch a horror movie for me to watch a horror movie if it's gonna be you know just hardcore serious horror so yeah i'll wait and see what you guys say about it you might you know sway me to, to just give it a shot yeah oh yeah without giving too much away if you're gonna pick one i'd, I'd probably pick renfield but um, <laughs> it looks more fun <laughs> yeah it, it absolutely is more fun all right well this has been great mate so good to Finally, be able to just Finally, talk like movies with you. An actual conversation that has nothing to do with competition or uh, betting points or, you know, just obscure yeah. knowledge. All, just, al- all aligned on, on the same page. Yeah. And this is, you know what? This is like the, the real, that's why I was so happy when you reached out because I was like, I can't have this conversation with Alex, like my co-host. He's not, you know, he'll it reluctantly say that some marvel movies are okay but he doesn't he doesn't geek out the way i geek out and uh, and obviously yep. if if it had been billy instead of you it would have been a lot harder to really uh geek out this was the way it had to happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think in in future yeah B- billy and alex can go and um have a beer somewhere and you me and maybe hurley can get together and yes. just do two hour episodes on every mcu film <laughs> yes there you go that's that's the plan moving forward but yeah thank you for having me this was great uh i i look forward to uh My seeing how, how billy edits this whole thing <laughs> all righty oh well, i will see you next week beautiful listeners thank you julio thank you wow.